Hello there, it's Jamila Jamel. Take a deep breath. Let your breath out slowly to the count of six. One, two, three, four, five, six. Do you feel better? Well, on my podcast, I Weigh, this month we'll be exploring ways to tackle mental health and feel better with guests like Simon Sinek from The Optimism Company, therapist Vienna Farron, comedian Neil Brennan, and many more. Listen to I Weigh wherever you get your podcasts. Hi friends, it's Sarah May, and this is an episode um, that's going to be vaguely about disengaging from thoughts and expectations and, um, in other words, unconsciousness. And today I'm talking with one of my heroes, one of my favorite people in the world, Pam Grout. And Pam Grout is the author of 20 books, including E Squared, one of my favorite books of all time, E Cubed. Thank and Grow Rich. And her latest book is called The Course in Miracles Experiment, A Starter Kit for Rewiring Your Mind. Hello, Pam. <laughs> Welcome. Oh, thank you. It's such a treat to be here. When you um, sent me the email and you mentioned that about the evil dead thing, it's like, oh, I remember that so clearly. because I love <laughs> that story so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Context for everybody. So I like when I first bought um, E Squared, I think I was, I actually listened to you on a podcast interview. This was like a decade ago and you were interviewed by this guy, David Wood. who's like, I think a network marketing guy, but adore that guy. He was like, had great energy and he exposed me to so many cool people. And you were one of them. And I ended up buying your book while I was on a business trip in Texas and did all of the exercises. <laughs> and one of the things that happened was me and my husband got free tickets to the sold out live evil dead musical. <laughs> in the splash zone, which is in like the first row where you get sprayed with blood, fake blood. It was like one of the coolest things that's ever happened. We literally walked up and like this guy goes, Hey, are you looking for tickets? Cause we we're like, Oh no, it's sold out. And he goes here, two free tickets for you. And I was like, what? <laughs> it's amazing. So yeah, I took a photo and I sent it to Pam and we ended up being in her newsletter. Yeah. Um, yeah which you should all subscribe to. It's filled with positive and amazing, uplifting content. Um, speaking of which, I wanted to give you just context for like, so this show is very self-helpy. I know that is like a kind of a, an ambivalent topic for you somewhat because it's like, it, it makes you focus on what's wrong in many ways. Um, but I think a lot of people struggle with um, trust and like fear in investing in people that that are going to let them down. And I think a lot of people who are fearful of stuff like that are people who have baggage or have trauma. And it's like, if other people have failed you, you're like, I don't know if I'm going to believe in this thing. So it makes people a little tentative um, about, you know, trying things that are too out there or, you know, the term woo woo is used a lot. So I think a lot of people that have experienced baggage, it's like, it takes just a little baby step at a time to start to like, open up to new thinking. And I, as I said, I discovered you 10 years ago and I, I've just been starting to like kind of try things out and, and I'm in the process of kind of opening up again, I guess, after many years of having lots and lots of baggage around different traumas and emotional stuff. So I think I would love to talk to you about just how, how a person can start that process of like training their brain 
to not anticipate the worst and not to complete the future when it hasn't happened yet. And kind of like the power and um, magic that comes about when you're able to do that. Um, Yeah. That's one of my favorite topics these days, you know, I'm kind of known so much for the manifesting books and, you know, those are great. And I, I love them and it's good to know that you can manifest, but I think where I'm at now more is letting go of anything that might prevent me from knowing truth, from knowing this love. And I think one of the biggest hurdles for people perhaps is that they don't fully trust that there is this benevolent force that really does love us. You know, we've been um, conditioned a lot by some of the churches. (laughs) And so we have this idea about this sort of judgmental God. And so I think because so much of us have that, and plus our parents weren't perfect, you know, they were human beings doing the best they could do. So I think a lot of people, as you said, don't, I don't know, there's just a fear, but I think if, In fact, that's why I think I did do the experiment because it's like people need to know how much this force, this whatever you want to call it, you know, God, uh, divine intelligence, the cosmic, whatever, the mothership, (laughs) it loves us, it guides us, it is there for us, but we put up these walls and we don't enjoy it. We don't access it. We don't plug ourselves in. And so I think when you talk about baby steps, I think it's really important to just try a little bit. I mean, I, I say jump right in, just plunge right into the pool, but some people maybe aren't ready to do that. So, you know, just do little tests, little short things, but you know, if you really get it and if you know how much you're loved, everything becomes so much easier (laughs) because, you know, it's us that puts up the defenses. It's us that has the thoughts that block the love. The love is always there for us. It's who we are. I mean, this love, this joy, this peace, People don't believe that, but that is the truth of who we are. And so we, we learn all these patterns. We put ourselves in these boxes. I mean, there's so much out there and we are just in this, we only see this little tiny speck of reality Mm -hmm. and we think that's the way it is. And it's always from the conditioning from, you know, how we were raised or, you know, what we've read in the newspapers or whatever different thing it might be, but it's so limited. So I want people, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't People can do whatever they want. I don't have any investment in what other people do. But for me and what I you know, talk about in my blog and different things is just to really get it that you interact with and that the source is always wanting to bless you, guide you, work with you constantly. And so um, anyway, that's kind of what, what my message is. That's what I am always working on or playing with. I, I try not to use the word work with. Yeah. Work, you know, has connotations. I like to play with things. Like when I do, some people call workshops, I call them play shops because we want to play around, make it fun, kind of like a child would do it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I don't know if I answered your question. I was kind of a long-winded. So yeah, no. I mean, bring around the rosy. Same way. I do feel like it is a child. I mean, like having two little kids. I have a two-year-old and a five-year-old, or almost five-year-old, and everything is just like filled with laughter and spontaneity and like wonder. And I'm like, oh, I remember that being the way I could just naturally be. And it's like if you kind of remind yourself to be that way in the morning, or like remind yourself to be that way throughout the day, you. I feel like all this other knowledge opens up, and I'm also able to see people better. You know what I mean? Like, I just noticed that if I'm in a like controlled, stressed, kind of retracted place, I only see the that in other people and everything I'm doing is prompting them to react to me in that same way 
versus if I can come to them in like just joy and or love in the love state, I guess everything is so much less kind of like combative, angry, like I'm getting, I get different information back because I'm able to see it. It, it, it's like energy tuning very much creates everything you bring into the world and how other people respond to you. It's just so dramatic. I think you were, you um, mentioned it in one of your books as like training a puppy and telling a puppy where to pee. It's like, it's to, I feel like the brain is exactly that way. It's like you, I mean, at least for me, it's like, I have to constantly maintain the, you know, reminders to myself to like, no, 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 don't expect the worst. Cause then you will be able to see things better and like get different feedback from the world. Right. What we see in other people is really just a piece of us. I mean, everybody out there is just us. We're all one. It's just it, our perception makes it believe that this is a separate person and that this person. Is, so it's really a reflection of what we have in here, what we're seeing out there. So the more we can be open to that love and that joy that's within us, the more we get that reflected back to us. Because it's a mirror. It's just like looking in a mirror. Mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the things I said in one of my books, I think this is kind of funny. You don't notice that your, say, your mascara is smudged and try to fix it on the mirror. <laughs> if there's something that's not going right, you have to fix it within yourself, on yourself. You know what I mean? Right. So that's kind of how I feel about everything. You know, we, um, you know, we're going to get back. We get, I mean, I guess one thing, all the, if there's an obstacle, it's always a doorway to something, to realization, mm. to recognizing, to maybe cleaning up that part of yourself maybe that you know still wants to see that kind of stuff so anyway even even the things that we might judge as oh I don't want that are also you know a path that that can lead us to where we want to go oh totally how did you first discover because like honestly I think throughout my life whenever I'm like the most down or because I can usually think my way out of any kind of really bad mood or starting to get that dark cloud and when I can't, the first thing I do is I read one of your blogs or some, one of your books. Cause I feel like you're a constant flow of just like a reminder of like, no, 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 be love. Like the world is full of love. Don't forget that. And it's just like, it's resetting in such a powerful way. How did you start this path? Like what was the impetus to kind of see? Oh, you know, that's such a nice compliment. Thank you so much for saying that. But I have to tell you, the reason I write the blog post is for me. <laughs> you know mm. what I mean? Like, I need the reminder myself. So, um, I did. but as far as I was a student of A Course in Miracles, I'm still a student of A Course in Miracles. And I started that back when I, oh, I don't know, 25 years ago, maybe more now, maybe 30 years ago. And I don't know if you're familiar with The Course in Miracles, but it's all about, you know, rewiring your mind and therefore the world. So um, I started doing that way back, oh, I don't know, so long ago. And, you know, you do these lessons, you go through 365 days. And then I started over again every year on January 1st. And that's basically what it says is that, you know, we truly are peace and love. And that the best thing we can do is get out of our own way. One of the things they say, and I kind of joke about, I said that my hero is that guy from uh, Hogan's Heroes, you know, Colonel Schultz. And he goes, I know nothing. And so I always think, you know, that's really the way to come in. Because if anything we're sure about, we have collapsed the wave and that's how it's going to be. So if we go in like knowing nothing, freeing ourselves from our minds, from our thoughts, from our baggage and our patterns, then the world can unfold in a beautiful, wonderful way. And it is doing that, but we're not always aware of it. So mm-hmm. um, that's a real good way just to let go of everything we know, surrender it all. 
So I started you, I guess that was your initial question before <laughs> I started rambling on, was I started doing Course in Miracles probably when I was in my early 20s. So yeah, I, I've done it for a very long time. And I'm a slow learner because I still am doing it. So. <laughs> and when did, what kind of brought it about in your life? Were you just like, I'm sick of being bummed out? You know, I have always felt the call of the spirit to a spiritual path. Now, I grew up, my father was a Methodist minister, and that was a very prescribed spiritual path, you know, kind of Methodist was, he was a Methodist minister, but that wasn't my path. I mean, of course, I, you know, went to Sunday school and did all that sort of stuff, but I always felt that there was something bigger, something more. So I felt drawn to that from always. And then when I got, you know, went off to college, and that's when I started experimenting or exploring other spiritual paths other than the one that, you know, I was taught as a child. And I just came to realize how much bigger the world is. But as far as Courts and Miracles, I probably did start when I thought, you know, there's got to be a better way. In fact, that's what they say with Courts and Miracles. Everybody says there has got to be a better way. And then, of course, in Miracles is your better way. And there's a lot of other better ways. But, you know, the, the way that society teaches us, the way our some of these religions teach us, some of the things they teach us, there is a better way. And I actually kind of asked the universe, show me the better way. And that's really, you know, when I was brought to Course in Miracles to do that. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I know your newest book, I think for um, anyone who hasn't read one of your books, I just love the style of your writing. It's very like relatable and accessible and funny and like the way you kind of give anecdotes for everything it makes even like kind of like the boring content really funny and interesting um but like what uh can you talk about maybe your favorite part of the book I've been listening to the audiobook just because I like listening to your voice <laughs> oh <laughs> you listen to audiobook of which book of a course the new one your oh, new one. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. yeah okay yeah um what's my favorite part gosh 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 I don't know if I have a favorite part but what I will respond to what you said about um it's kind of funny to listen to I feel like anything that we want to be sustainable sort of has to be fun if it, if you come out like oh I've got to do this again today eventually you're going to quit wanting to do it right so we mm -hmm. want to keep opening up keep you know noticing the joy and so that's why I try to write in a kind of a funny manner. Plus, I just like writing in a funny manner. Um, to kind of make it entertaining. I'll use pop culture references. And I don't know. I, I guess it's just my style. And again, I think it's powerful because I think it keeps people going. And if people, you know, uh, want to hear about it. <laughs> so yeah. And now you may want to adjust your volume for a brief word from our sponsors. No, totally. I mean, that's definitely true for me. I have to say like, I, because I have baggage around religion and I like was brought up in several religions that I could not relate to whatsoever. I remember being a kid and being like, this is bizarre. Like you want me to talk to who, what person is this? Like, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what you guys are into, but I'm not into that. And then like having to go through all the like performances and stuff like that. And the rights passage that I didn't have any connection to. So I'm very like weary of stuff like that. And like, for me, I'm, I'm definitely like listening out for things that resonate with me and that feel true for me. And I do feel like a lot of the, A Course in Miracles, um, ethics and truths are universal and they definitely like, I'm like, oh yeah, that's totally true. Like so a lot uh -huh. of them, like, it's just kind of basic, almost like understanding the way your brain works in many ways or the way the, the human brain works, you know? Yeah. 
Cause like the human brain is so limited and so small and like, it's just little, you know, this little computer we get to like help our bodies not die <laughs> like while we're here, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but it definitely doesn't know everything, you know? And so like, it, for me, that's kind of the most powerful aspect of A Course in Miracles, which is like, just reminding you like, no, 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 no. It's not your job to know everything. Yeah. Well, I just finished reading Michael Singer's book. He, you know, he wrote Untethered Soul. I don't know if you read that way back when it was a bestseller. He's got a new one called, let's see, Living Untethered. He made a point that I thought was so fabulous that, you know, okay, there's what we know, you know, the little box of what we know, the facts we've taken in, the, you know, experiences that we have. And, you know, compared to all that there is out there, it's like what we know is statistically insignificant. <laughs> so I thought that was a really funny way to say it. And you know, now when they've just recently released those pictures from the James Webb, have you seen any of those pictures of the, all these other galaxies? I mean, they just maybe two days ago released them and it makes you realize, like, you know, those little dots, those are all an entire galaxy. <laughs> so how could we even possibly think but what our little pea brains, I always call my brain a pea brain, comes up with could possibly have all the answers. I mean, what I know is statistically insignificant. I just really like that. I guess that's a good way to say it. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's like, for some people, it's scary to feel that way. Like we want to know concretely, like the truth for me, that's like a relief. Like oh my gosh. Comforting, <laughs> you yeah. know, like I'm like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't have to know everything. Cause that would be impossible. Like for me to know everything would mean that my brain would explode. It would just not be able to hold all of it. So it's kind of like a reminder to like step back and just enjoy the ride and like witness, like, and notice that you, you don't have to solve for everything. Cause you possibly couldn't possibly know what the right thing, you know, the right answer is at any given time. It's like a reminder, um, to trust or listen, I guess, um, I would love for you to talk about just uh, the, cause I think I, there's such a, I forgot what you said in the newsletter recently, but it was something about like, everyone is vying for your attention. And it's like, there, it's almost like right now there is just like a war uh, for attention. And I feel so, I feel so much for people who have grown up only with smartphones. Cause it's like, it's such a, you're, you have no private psychic space. You have no like separation from this like constant pull for like, here, look over here, look over here. Let's spend five seconds here. And like, now spend it over here. Now. So it's like, I think one for a lot of people, it's a version of being unconscious all the time. And like, cause we're constantly busy. We're constantly checking. We're constantly worried about this other thing and that other thing. And like, it's like a very, you know, selfie centric kind of way of living. And I'm like, I don't think people all realize that that's pretty much being unconscious. Like you're, you're not really fully living life in that way. And so I would love for you to just elaborate on um, stepping back from that <laughs> and the, the war for attention. Yeah, I just read the book Stolen Focus by Johan Hari, and it was a fabulous book. And one of the things he talks about is not only are we more distracted today, you know, humans all across the planet are more distracted, but that it's actually a conscious thing that these big media companies are doing as you know, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and all that stuff. I mean, they want our attention. And he interviewed a guy who knew how destructive this force was, that he worked for Facebook or he worked for one of them. And he even made up this PowerPoint presentation about what they're doing. And in the, in the, in the end, they didn't listen to him because they can change things to where we wouldn't get so 
sucked in by that, but they chose not to because that's where the money is. So they are vying for attention. But one of the things I wrote about in the book, and it's so true, our attention has great power. We know from quantum physics that what we put our attention upon, we draw into our life. We collapse the wave of certain things. So even though our attention is being vied for by you know everybody, it's very powerful if we can get it back and if we can put our attention on what we really want to see in the world. And for me, and this has just been so holy for me, I have become so connected to my little yard, my little patch of the planet. I mean, I feel like I'm connected to all the trees, the birds, the butterflies, the plants that I'm growing. I mean, and that sounds like, but I can feel that oneness and that that happiness and that life, you know, that's just there. So I, one of my goals is to stay off of social media as much as possible. I mean, I still do. I mean, you know, again, we've got all these campaigns trying to suck us in, but I cannot tell you how much joy I find in the moment in my own little backyard. You know, it's just a small little backyard, but seeing all the plants and it just, I've got a little fox down the street that I walk every morning and I go see my fox and I feel I don't know I just feel like I'm in communion with with this little piece of the planet and it really is you know it's been very meaningful for me you know it's like I I know I'm mentioning all these books I read so I guess I do read a lot of books but I feel like all my wisdom not my wisdom the things I'm learning is coming from the natural world instead of from you know words on a page or whatever mm-hmm. yeah have you read or heard of uh, entangled life no, it sounds interesting. It's a book all about fungi. And uh, this guy, Rupert Sheldrake, who I'm a huge fan of, he oh, yeah. created the theory of morphic resonance. Mm-hmm. Um, and his son wrote this book. He's like a botanist. I think he's a biologist botanist. And he, um, it's all about his studies of mycelium and how like, it's basically the collective unconscious of nature. So it's like this, you know, interconnected web of communication between trees and like all these organic systems. It goes much more in depth than that, but it like, it really blew my mind. And also see, I can see how it translates to like humanity and just like, I'm like, oh yeah, that's exactly how we work too. Uh It's like, you know, we're all expressing things through one another and like working things through, you know, emotionally as like an entire population of humanity. And, um, yeah, after you were describing your garden, I just thought of like all the, uh, in my garden, all the butterflies play with my dog. Oh, how fun. <laughs> like That's they beautiful. like dive down and like she gallops with them. I'm like, weird. They're all playing. That's so funny. Um, what is your, one of your, uh, this, I'm asking this because this, uh, this show is very tools based. What is like one of your kind of go-to best of tools when you're like, hitting a wall or you're in a bad, if you get into a bad emotional loop? Yeah, I would say just really trying to come back to the present moment and really just stopping and kind of noticing my heart beating and recognizing I'm not making my heart beat. I'm not moving this blood through my body. And so really just stopping and being in the moment. And I find that in that moment, all answers if I need an answer or all comfort all all needs are met in this moment and it's always the only thing that's ever wrong is just the thoughts in my head I mean that's all that can ever be wrong life is moving uh, enlivening doing all that stuff 
but my thoughts can make it seem like that's not happening. So it's always, it always comes back to, you know, coming back to the moment for me and just dropping down kind of into that wordlessness and just feeling that connection again with my trees and with my birds, you know, all that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, the moment, all answers are in the moment and they're nowhere else. And I, I, you know, we look at the cults, but they're, mm-hmm. they're not there and they're not in my brain ever, but no answers are in my brain. It's always this bigger thing and this, you know, life force that is here in this moment, in this now moment. Yeah. I mean, it's true. If you think about it, your thoughts are, are kind of like judging. They're like the spectators that are trying to make content. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's all they are. It's like a little stream, you know, it's like that little news, that thing on the bottom of a news cache, it just kind of keeps going. And what we do is we latch onto one and then we start, you know, adding mass to it and doing more. But if we just kind of let it go, it's like, it's just a thought. Thoughts mean nothing. That's a big one for people don't want to believe that, but it really is true. Our thoughts mean nothing. So if we, you know, disentangle from them or, you know, kind of ease back from our thoughts, we find much more peace. I mean, of course, in miracles, yes, why I got into it, it's all about having peace of mind. I mean, that's the ultimate goal. So, and then getting guidance from the Holy Spirit, but peace of mind where we get. So if we can let go of that stream of thoughts, then we come back to that peace of mind, or I guess mind, that sounds like mind, but it's not even the mind, peace, peace, you know, I guess we just call mm-hmm. it peace of mind. Yeah, totally. I think like, um, I don't know if you think about like in any situation you're in, you could craft one, like a really positive narrative, like around all of those facts and tell yourself like a really positive story, or you could find all the negative and tell a completely opposite story. And both of those are true. Totally true. Every time you can do both. That's what's so amazing. You know, I don't know if you ever do any of Byron Katie's work. But it's all about, well, you know, you actually flip every belief over and you find evidence that it's just as true as, as what you just were thinking with the other. Yeah. Time, so. Yeah. I've, I've watched some of her work with people. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I think also just um one thing I realized when doing the E squared book those years ago was just like when I was scanning for something and expecting something, then you just, it shows up. You're like, what? <laughs> It's like you are very much creating reality with expectations. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that phone call. I didn't realize I had my phone in here, but (laughs) it's all good. (laughs) Um, I'm wondering if I can ask you a little bit about Taz. Is that sure? Sure. I love to talk about Taz. I mean, she's still very much alive within me. And so I love to talk about her. So yeah, okay, good. Ask away. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so anyone who's um, interested in uh, checking out the 222 Foundation. uh, So Pam created a foundation for um, projects that are positive. Well, I'll let you describe the call for entries. The ultimate goal of the 222 Foundation is to change the consciousness of the world, because that's the only thing that's really going to change things. I mean, there's so many people out there you know, working on various issues, but we have to change the consciousness. It comes back to that before we're ever going to make any real change. So that is the mission of the 222 Foundation. It's also um, eliminating or, or working to prove that some of these beliefs that we have, like scarcity, like, oh, there's not enough in the world. There's, um, we're, we're limited. So a lot of these beliefs that we have, we're working to override those beliefs or to prove the opposite. And we also celebrate creativity because again, 
And, you know, creativity to me doesn't come from the mind. It comes from being connected to that bigger thing. And with that, we can totally change the world. The only reason the world appears as it is is because we kept believing and seeing it the way over and over and over again. So the 222 Foundation, which started, well, the February, the 222, February 22nd, after Taz passed of its cerebral aneurysm, has always been, you know, funding a project that does work to change the consciousness of the world. And so we've had four grants so far. And then, of course, we'll be putting out pitches for 23, the, the grant in 23. But we have, we've started several projects. We've got a regenerative agriculture project up in Canada. We've started a library in Nepal. We've, the first year, and this was really powerful because I was in India soon after she had passed, which was you know, do I even go? I mean, it was so overwhelming. But we got there to, we went to the Taj Mahal after I'd done my thing with Tribes for Good. And turns out it was a monument to love. And the person that's buried in, I mean, the this monument, Nagra, so amazing, was, her name was Mumtaz. I mean, that was actually her name. And it was, it had uh, 22,000 people, 22 years to build it, you know, because we have the 222 thing. So anyway, so, so I was like, wow, I was really meant to be here. And we actually left some of Taz's ashes there. But then when we left, we went to this place called Shiro's Hangout. And it was a bunch of women who were, I guess, he used the word survivors, but they had had acid thrown on them, which is a thing people still do in India. You know, the guy gets bad because the wife, you know, didn't have a male baby or whatever. So it throws acid. And so here are these women who normally would be shunned in society and would never, you know, come out to the face because I mean, their faces literally were melted off. But what they've done instead is to go out and they started this Shiro's Hangout and they give food away free. They have art projects and it's this beautiful, inspiring place. And it's really a complete different consciousness that, oh, you, you know, you need to go into hiding. This is so anyway, and just still be giving and loving. So anyway, they were moving to a new spot. So we helped them do that was the very first year. But so anyway, those are the kind of projects that we do in it keeps me, you know, connected with Taz and, you know, working on some of the things she was, she was just like this amazing spirit. You know, I think to myself, wow, well, how did I get so lucky to be her mom, you know? So anyway, I just keep her alive in any way that I can. So, yeah. Well, and it sounds like also you have such a strong connection to her. I, part of me wonders if like she passed so you could tell other people how to stay connected to people that pass. Yeah, you know? I know. I mean, it's so much bigger than what I understand. I mean, it's not at all what I would have ever, ever, ever wanted. I mean, it really, but it does, if you want to, you know, get out of your little box, you know, believing that we are only these bodies, this is a good way to do it. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, so I will always be connected to Taz. And so she has to communicate in different ways. But just like, you know, it's obvious she was no longer the two-year-old, you know, with, whatever the little onesie she was no you know as she grows she's changing and so now she's no longer in a body but she still feels very present and with me and I feel like even you know contributing guiding even this 222 foundation because I mean it just came to me right away to do this and so yes I do stay connected to her in every way that I possibly can and I I know that I'm here you know who knows how much longer and I'll see her again you know it's it, it, it's it's a way of really jumping out of boxes to have something like that happen because it's you know it, it's a big it's a big thing so yeah yeah I mean I was so moved and uh mourned for you when that happened I'm still like I'm just in awe of how you have moved through and then part of the reason I bring her up besides to promote the foundation is 
I know a lot of people in my audience are struggling to let go of things or to move through things. And a lot, at least for myself with loss, I was like for a long time, just refused to confront it and let go. And like my body, I was just like, no, I'm never, ever going to heal. I'm never going to be not be sad. And that was like my, my child reaction to like not wanting to let go. And I didn't realize at the time I was like actually losing them in that resistance Uh Like clinging to the loss and clinging to the moment of loss was just like pausing me there in this, like, you know, I'm resisting the flow of life and it's, but it's so hard to do that. And to just like, to let yourself mourn and let yourself, you know, let go. I think because we don't realize that we're actually getting closer to them when we mourn and when we like, you know, stay connected to, to our life. So if you feel comfortable, I would love any insight you have onto how to process something like that or move through it? Well, you know, grief will take you where grief takes you, <laughs> you know, and you just have to kind of surrender to it. Um, and, I, you know, it's, it's been very difficult, you know, particularly when it happened, it was just such a stunning, shocking thing, you know, it just, my healthy, wonderful daughter who, you know, traveled with me so much and we were just really close and and she's my only child. So she was fully, we're texting on the phone, you know, when, when when I'm going to see a movie, when, you know, the cop comes to my door. So, you know, saying she's, you know, being wife flighted to Kansas City. So it was, um, yeah, very, very challenging. But as I mentioned earlier, every challenge is also a gateway to a new way of looking. And, you know, I've always asked for new ways of looking. This is not what I would have chosen. (laughs) I would never, ever want this, but it's what's happened. And it has opened me to to different dimensions of reality, different possibilities of reality and uh, communicating in a whole different, bigger way. I mean, if there's anything that makes you really want to embrace the, the bigness, <laughs> the immensity of what's here, it's, you know, to lose a child. So it really has um, pushed me in that direction even more, you know, I was already on that path, but this has really, you know, accelerated that, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah. It's funny, my client, or I shouldn't call her my client, my friend uh, who has a, a nonprofit called The Teen Project that's for uh, victims of human trafficking. She always says like, what, like, she gave me this God box. That's to put like intentions oh, yeah. into the universe. Mm-hmm. And she's like, don't be very careful what you put into that because like, <laughs> it's going to happen and it's going to happen in a way you're not expecting, expecting it to happen. And I'm like, Oh man, I learned that the hard way I put in, I wanted to get married <laughs> and oh. I ended up getting married to a not good person <laughs> back in the day. But yeah. yeah, I do feel like, um, I mean, oftentimes we are about to get a ride that we don't anticipate or we're, we're not in control of. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of people also are in, who are in my audience are struggling with just like trying to move through pain or trying to let go of pain. And I think one thing you do so well is just, I guess, manage your pain by reminding yourself you don't have to surrender to it or you don't have to commit to it. And I would love for if, if you have any tools around that in particular. Oh, well, I believe we do surrender to it. I, you know, <laughs> I want to surrender to it. So um, I want to surrender to life and what life has in store for me. And as we mentioned earlier, there's always two ways to look at everything. And mm-hmm. so 
you know, the fourth question that Byron Katie, or maybe it's the third question Byron Katie asked is, how does that thought make you feel? And so we get the choice. Do we want to keep grabbing onto the painful uh, thoughts or do we want to honor, I mean, in the case of losing my daughter, honor her with, you know, uh, changing consciousness, with staying connected, with enlarging my uh, viewpoint. So to me, that's a way of honoring her. So that's a way of changing that story or, or looking at a different dimension of that story. But um, so I want to surrender always and surrendering to the grief, surrendering to the loss as well. Mm-hmm. And, and knowing that um, there is a bigger story going on, there is a bigger picture. And I'm here for the bigger picture. I'm here for the you know, the path, the, the guidance that life is sending me on, you know, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm here for it, showing up for it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, did you ever anticipate that your life trajectory would be this grand? Cause I feel like, I don't know. I think of you as a spiritual teacher to many and like just your trajectory as a, a writer, I feel like it's just skyrocketed into like such a higher realm. <laughs> Well, that's funny because I don't see myself as a spiritual teacher in any way. You know, I'm just the person who likes to write and happens to enjoy exploring spiritual topics. But no, I don't ever consider myself a teacher. In fact, after I wrote East Squares, everybody starts wanting to invite me to come give workshops, what I call play shops. I mean, I've been to Japan and Finland and, you know, Mexico and Peru, giving workshops. I'm like, I'm just a, <laughs> a person who likes to, you know, uh, do experiments with spirituality or so so no i i don't see myself in that way at all um but i do feel like it's a constant surrender it's a constant um being open for what's mine to do you know show me uh, i'm here it's this moment what's mine to do in this moment it doesn't matter what it's going to be next moment or what it was three moments ago what is it right here in this moment so I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's funny. But I, yeah, I, I guess maybe it, I definitely didn't see this as myself. I've see that as my path. I've always just liked to write, and I believe in following what you love to do. I've never been big into oh, you've got to get a job. You know what society tells you you need to do. I've always been on a path to honor what my, you know, what my gifts are, what my dreams are, what mine's to do. So writing was always it. So this, you know, this the success of that book kind of launched me into this whole other thing. So, but, but again, I don't identify with that label spiritual teacher. I'm still waking up myself. You know, I work, mm-hmm. I, I play daily with these ideas of, you know, being in the moment and, you know, so, yeah. Well, I, I guess I like the play style of spirituality. Then. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> Cause like, it's yeah. the best way to learn things too. I just, somebody had posted a meme and I, I, took a copy of it and it said something like you know how many repetitions it takes to learn something it was some you know like say 400 but if you do it in a playful way it only takes 12 repetitions or it was something to that effect I think that is so true mm-hmm. so um yes it's all about playing and, and playing means just not being so you know like you were so lucky you know having a two-year-old and a five-year-old I mean they are the teachers oh my goodness they they are there they're so present they you know, they cry when they cry, they love when they love, they explore, they're open to everything. And, you know, I think we parents get it wrong. We think, oh, well, we've got to teach them. No, we need to watch them and follow them. 
So yeah, they're, they're the ones that, that have it all together. If you ask me. <laughs> oh, I agree. I mean, half the time I'm just like, oh man, I wish I didn't say that. <laughs> it's like yeah, not, yeah. not as much mad at them. I'm like mad at myself. Like I shouldn't yeah. have corrected them. That was yeah. that I just shut down their creativity and they're like spontaneity. I just told them not to do that with my actions. And it's like, I feel like I'm trying to unlearn fear like right, most of the right. time, you know, or like some sort of um, conditioning that I'm like trying to pass on to them when I'm mm-hmm. like, why do they need that? They don't need that. Right. <laughs> That's not helping. Yeah. I heard a story once and I think this was just a story, like a myth or something. There was some spiritual guru probably from India or something, but his parents didn't one time tell him what to do anything. He just, you know, followed whatever. And I think they were a wealthy family. So, you know, the I think somebody followed him around to make sure he didn't get hurt or, or whatever. He found enlightenment just because he was already enlightened. Like we already are, but we put up all this, you know, all these roadblocks to it. And, you know, the, so, so anyway, I, again, I don't know if that was true, but I, I love that idea. And I was as present as possible with my daughter. Of course, I too had my expectations of, you know, what you want your, you know, you want your kids, all, you know, you think of those kind of things, but really when I think about her wisdom and her connection, it's like, why wasn't I, and I, I did, someone gave me the advice when I was first pregnant and they said, you know, don't try to get her to move at your schedule. You slow down and go at her pace. And that was like some of the best parenting advice I ever got. You think I, you know, as a writer, as an independent person, I was able to do that. You know, I didn't have to get her up and run her to day. You know I mean? I, I was mm-hmm. able to move at that sort of pace. And I feel like that was a real, powerful lesson for me and you know probably just what it was for her but it definitely you know made changes in my way of thinking and being oh yeah absolutely I think one of my favorite things about having two babies is like we're on the ground staring at ants all the time and like just super simple things like just lying on pavement after it's like been in the sun for a long time it's Mm -hmm. just one of the best feelings yeah yeah And, and like being really focused on like an ant moving a leaf, uh, yeah, like a texture of some sort. And then also having to constantly be present. Like I know for some people who are very ADD and have struck, like struggle with being able to meditate. Like one of the ways you can meditate is to like catch a ball just cause it forces your brain to be present. Uh-huh, and I feel uh-huh. like I have a version of that all the time because <laughs> I'm constantly <laughs> chasing the two-year-old Mm-hmm. and like trying to make sure she's like, I've got both in my eyesight. It's like, <laughs> like an, it's like its own meditation, a permanent mm-hmm. meditation. It is for sure. Um, I would love if you could tell, um, I mean, I know there's the new book, but I would love if you could tell anybody out there, like all of your, your social media, any of your, your website info, like any of the, I know I already mentioned E squared, but Oh, well, I, you know, anybody wants to find out more about my books or, or anything is um, just Pam Grad. If you know my name, you can find me on Instagram, you know, all of those social things. And the thing that I do offer on my blog, I mean, you called it a newsletter, but basically I write posts from time to time. And like I shared your story. I, I used to do this a lot where I would, you pick, because people write to me, you know, they've tried the experiments and they, you know, write to me and say something like, you're never going to believe this. And of course, you know, I love <laughs> So I used to share a lot of those stories. And I think that's when you had written to me and sent me that picture is when I was really focusing it. But so there's a lot of those kind of fun stories about, um, you know, interesting manifestations that would be farther back. But there's something like seven or 800 blog posts on there. 
um, just with, you know, interesting things to ponder, to play with, um, inspiring stories, um, just a little dose of positivity. It's totally free. People can sign up if they're interested in that, you know, and my books are listed on there if people are interested in reading my books. So, um, yeah, I haven't been doing any play shops lately, but I just recently been invited to do a couple more. I did a thing with Mike Dooley earlier this year. That was a lot of fun. We did the magical manifestation adventure where we had people manifesting a different thing for 21 days. We had a little bingo card and that was a lot of fun. <laughs> but um, yeah, and so that, that really was, we raised a bunch of money for the Tazgrat 222 Foundation. Nice. And, you know, we both had a good time doing that. So, you know, occasionally something like that will pop up. For the most part, it's just, you know, I write things here and there. And, and so that's what's available to people and they can just check me out at my website. Amazing. Yeah, yeah well, I like, I mean, just... I feel like you've brought so much joy into my life. I feel so grateful for you. And I feel like just, um, I don't know, I, I'm very inspired by at least what you put out into the world to, on your blog is just like, a, I feel like it's a constant reminder just to like, yeah, don't forget you are love. Like that's your natural state. And like when you can resume that in your body and like come from that place, the whole world changes. It's like, it's, it's very much your lens on like, if you were just like take off a pair of glasses and then you could see, oh, it is sunny outside. It's like that, <laughs> yeah. that's how it feels to me. Yeah. Yeah. And it like tune, it very much tunes my perspective. Cause I think, um, before really discovering you or discovering kind of any of this perspective, I was just like, I don't know. I very much was like, I know what the world is. And I was very like, I just kind of muscled the path, you know, and like decided the way things were and what they were going to be. And as soon as I started to like practice, just stepping back and remembering to have like no expectations, it's weird, man. Everything changes. <laughs> like uh-huh. I've, I just, I've found this happen so many times when I can remember that stance and just like all of a sudden some surprises show up and this is like positive things start to happen. It's right. <laughs> spooky in a great way. Yeah, you notice all the beauty out there that was probably always there, but you just were too busy thinking about other stuff. So yeah, it is really uh, powerful to you know be on this path of of more joy and delight, and uh, just being open to to whatever this moment brings. Mm-hmm. It is. It's totally just a reminder to be open. Um, well, I think I have covered all my questions. I had such a wonderful time talking with you. Yeah, well, thank you. How how um, long have you been doing your podcast? Uh, nine years. Oh, wow. That's fabulous. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it's like, oh, it's very similar to you. And like, just I'm, I started doing it because I was talking to myself. Uh-huh. <laughs> and right, was, that's all we're doing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I literally was like recording things on my phone, like voice memos, like, don't forget, you're okay. Everything's <laughs> fine. Yeah. Start going in that spiral. It's all, you know, it's all an illusion. Like you got to step back and like, just use these steps. And then I had a bunch of them. And then I was like, you know, maybe other people would benefit from this as well. And then I was also writing a blog for um, a site called Hello Giggles. It was, it was called Teaspoon of Happy. And it was all just like positivity, you know, a weekly positivity blog. And so I started podcasting that stuff as well. And then I started getting a lot of people writing to me and saying like, Hey, this really helped me. And I feel like, you know, once you get a little dose of that, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like the best feeling in the world. Right. 
Because everyone we help, we're really helping ourselves, you know, because we're all oh. one. So it's always so good to think that something you might have thought of or said or whatever helps somebody else. Because, you know, again, we're all just walking each other home, as Ron Doss once said. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, totally. I know. It's weird. It's almost like I'm it, it. I talk to people like I'm their best friend because in uh-huh. some ways I am. Right, right. Like, I'm like, I, I don't know you, but I do know you because mm-hmm. like I'm going through the same thing. Right. I'm like, don't worry. This is the way we get there. <laughs> it's, it's very cool. And yeah. as a, a, over the years, I don't know if you feel this way about your books, but like over the years, I feel like I can sense them more. You know, I can sense people more or I can connect more to people I don't know. Well, cause you're opening up, you know, as we open mm. up, it's just amazing what all we find because we're connected to everything. We just don't always know it. So we're, you're just getting more and more aware of that connection with, with everyone. Mm, that's cool. Yeah, totally. Well, cause like, yeah, I feel like before I was so insecure and I was so, I'm definitely like one of those people that's, I, I identify as overly sensitive <laughs> and like, so negative feedback has always been like crippling, you know, in the past. And like if one person said something bad, I'd be like, Oh God, I can't do this. I'm terrible at this. And now I'm like, I guess through the process of just growing more open and more like in tune with just what I have to offer. I think I've just been a little bit more trusting. And then I think with that less, sensitive maybe hopefully I don't know well you strike me as very wise and very connected so uh I think you know you're on the right path for sure (laughs) yeah so good on you I hope so um well I want to thank you so much for talking with me today yeah thanks for talking to me I had a great time and um uh I will share the link with this when it's posted and um I'll also add in the show notes of this episode, all of your, your blog link and your book link and stuff like that. Sounds great. Thank you. Amazing. Yeah. All right, Pam. Well, have a great rest of your day. Yeah, you too. Are you in California, right? Yes. Okay. So you still got a long part of your day. Well, I do too, actually, but anyway, it was great. Talking <laughs> to you. All right. Okay. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.